Sorry, I took so long on the phone, but we're all set. All set for what? I rented a car. To be here at 1 o'clock, we're driving down to Atlantic City. Atlantic City? Oh, I know it's a drag, but you can't find a hotel room in town, not on New Year's Eve. Ring out the old year, ring in the new, ring a ding ding. I didn't plan it this way, Fran. Actually, it's all Baxter's fault. Baxter? Hey, he wouldn't give me the key to the apartment. He wouldn't? No, he just walked out of me. Quit. Threw that big fat job right in my face. The nerve. Yeah, little punk. After all I did for him, said I couldn't bring anybody to the apartment, especially not Miss Kubelik. What's he got against you anyway? I don't know. I guess that's the way it crumbles, cookie-wise. What are you talking about? I'd spell it out for you, only I can't spell. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 122, The Apartment. Now, having no idea what this movie was when you suggested it, it's it's <laughs> interesting because you do get like, I don't know, you hear a title like The Apartment and you kind of like get an idea in your head of what it's going to be like, and then you start watching it and you're like, no, I was way off. Yeah. Well... This is a fun movie to do for New Year's Eve slash New Year's. We're kind of saying goodbye to 2018. There aren't a ton of New Year's themed movies. so That's true, yeah. I mean, I guess there's some. I don't know if this one really is, but it does. Well, the end. Yeah, right. I think like... Turning a page, maybe? I just see a lot of people reference this one as far as movies that they like to watch on New Year's Eve okay, or New yeah. Year's Day I or get whatever. That. I do think there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. If if a young Matt had maybe seen this movie, some things would have been different. <laughs> but This is the oldest movie that we've done thus far on the so show. So how about that? That's exciting news for everyone. Yes. If you were super thrilled with our Belle du Jour episode, <laughs> we're going even older. Hey, I, I stand by that Belle du Jour episode. Oh, yeah, so do I. It was a good one. Not everyone's going to be super familiar with every single choice we make on this podcast they're not all yeah. gonna be well i think like you know 10 it's things i hate about you or whatever a 1960 movie there's definitely like culturally a madman vibe going on oh in the yeah movie. definitely so, definitely you know. yeah it's definitely reminiscent of the time and place from Mad Men, and the subject matter of the film is a little bit more progressive or whatever. You oh, know. that's true. Yeah. It's a little surprising, I would say, because they went by a much stricter code as to what was allowed to be in movies in 1960. Well, that is funny, though, too. I mean, it is, as things change over time, and certainly things have gotten better when it comes to, like, I don't know, the, the workforce and how things kind of were, but just, like, the overall human condition and the lack of how that changes over time. 
you know, is kind of <laughs> it's it's eye opening here a little bit. Yeah, I kind of know what you're saying because, like, on one hand, there's like parts of this that are kind of shocking in right. a 2018 way, <laughs> and then there's other parts that are kind of shockingly familiar. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. That kind of thing. Yep. But before we jump into the apartment. Let's take this opportunity to remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and also subscribe to our show on iTunes and spread the word of the greatest hey. moments to your friends and family. Thanks for getting us through another year. Yeah. Despite attitudes on the show at times, we're certainly happy to do this. <laughs> <laughs> You're a pre-show pep talks just get in my head. <laughs> I don't know. I do think that our approach to some of our recent episodes <laughs> was a little down. I don't oh, know, you know why. Uh, it's the weather. <laughs> but we're still trying to find our groove, you know, in our new recording space. New studio space. New setup. But, you know, I'm getting some engagement about the show, and that's certainly exciting. I, I feel good looking into the new year. I do think that a lot of our listeners who have been around for a while now, you know, possibly from the beginning or shortly thereafter, I think... Their biggest thing is probably just complete shock that this is still happening. <laughs> I think there's been a lot of people that checked in at the beginning because you or I hit them up and right, let yeah. them know about it. And then like they might go away for a while and then there's like a reminder somehow they might see something on Twitter or, or whatever or in conversation with us or something. And then it's like, oh, wow, that's still happening. Oh, it's yeah. like. Well, I, You're on episode 122 and it's like, yeah, plus 20, give us a second. Yeah. So we're almost to... 150 published episodes of like, this what do show. You, know? you guys are really <laughs> sticking to this, huh? But I mean, I will say, you know, I've had people kind of like go away for a little while and then check back in, which we're certainly fine with, you know? <laughs> well, I'd hope that they would still download the episodes. Well, I mean, people get busy, you know, things come up, life happens. Yeah, I mean, I think if 2018 has taught us anything, it's that we're still very much into doing the show and we'll continue to do it as long as we have at least a couple listeners yeah we don't need thousands just and, a few is right fine. listen you know <laughs> we get it you get busy take a road trip <laughs> get caught up on the show yeah sometimes it's better to take a break from us and then and then you'll <laughs> yeah. be more willing to hear us complain about movies that are 30 years old or right, whatever yeah. <laughs> you might be yeah. able to binge a couple in a row I, or right it's kind of like when we talk about like we don't really get who this movie's for and people are like who is this podcast for <laughs> ass clowns that's yeah, who that's it's right for. exactly you so, know who you are as far as the stuff that we recorded in 2018 does anything jump out to you as kind of a special well this thing? year has been a complete whirlwind for me so it's hard to even remember what we did this year did mm -hmm. we take the break this year or was that last year? That was last year. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly what's always going to stick in my mind for the year, A Star is Born, just constantly <laughs> being on like the thing to-do list. Sharp Objects was a big one for me this year as far as like favorite thing enjoyed and then also doing this, the show. But didn't we re-record that? Yeah, we did an didn't immediate... Quite, didn't quite get it right the first time. We did an immediate reaction to the finale of Sharp Objects, and then we re-recorded it right. later. There was pro like, probably discussions of maybe like a third recording. <laughs> this year, we hit 100 episodes, and I think everything kind of leading up to episode 100... A good then... run there for a while, right? <laughs> yeah, if we're I not in that, it now. Yeah, if I think back, I remember the show like kind of being 
you know, hitting its stride for a while there. Yeah, everything kind of around episode 100 was fun. The episodes started growing in length to you almost unbearable lengths with Gone Girl. <laughs> right. You mentioned uh, Belle de Jour. That was this year. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it was. It would have been like the beginning. I will say, I, you know, for me, that one was one that I really enjoyed, was not expecting to. So that one always sticks with me as like, when I listened to it, I was like, wow. It's too bad that, like, no one would download this based on title, because I think this is a pretty enjoyable app. Yeah, well, sometimes it's just have faith in yeah. me, because I don't steer the show wrong. With That's right, picks. and it just goes to show, you know, don't judge an app by its title. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think 2018 was maybe the most consistent in terms of quality and releasing. And us doing the show, yeah. <laughs> we hit a nice stride in terms of quality and then kept it pretty consistent I think we, we had our most jam-packed greatest october that's for sure i think we took some pressure off of ourselves which is always a good <laughs> in the old days there was a lot of talk about releasing the show every week on the same day right that was a hard target to hit <laughs> well we've been doing good at it recently well you're yeah i mean obviously we had a change in producers <laughs> editors yeah equipment. sometimes like I have whatever the opposite of ADD is. Like, I lock into something. I can spend, I don't know, 10 hours straight editing this show if I need to. Like, I just lock into it. I'm like, I'm just going to get this done. And then the next thing I know, it's 4 in the morning or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. But whatever. Well, but yeah, like we said, I think uh, everything's going good and nothing but good things to come. Oh, yeah. We have a huge, huge 2019 (laughs) planned with a new wrinkle, in fact, thrown in. And as I've mentioned already, we will be getting back to the Give Us a Seconds. We usually don't spoil what People, we're going to do next, uh, you but know, I will crossing say... Crossing fingers right now, audio commentary, audio commentary. Maybe, but we will do a TV episode next. I'm not going to say what it is. So we're going to return to TV. We're going to do Give Us a Seconds plus some new stuff. It's going to be fun. It's a fun ride. I think so, yeah. I, I mean, we're never going to go all the way away from tv but i do think that like people think of this as a movie podcast predominantly yes. yeah <laughs> so that's 2018 in review and this is the apartment <laughs> so the apartment 1960 directed by billy wilder written by wilder and ial diamond 10 academy award nominations five wins wilder was the first ever to win for writing directing and producing all for the same movie Obviously, it was pretty popular, despite the fact that the subject matter was a little bit taboo and, for the uh, time. This is his follow-up to Some Like It Hot, yes, Criterion Collection, which I have not seen. Yeah, he did like Sunset Boulevard, Some Like It Hot, Double Indemnity, Ace in the Hole, which is another Criterion. Oh right, yeah. Done a lot of big popular movies. He has like four movies, I believe, on the AFI Top 100, okay, including well, this. That's an achievement. The apartment. Yeah, this is just one of the great American comedies that is a comedy in the sense that it transcends time. Because a lot of times comedies are very locked into the moment when they came out because they're very specific style of humor or something. This is more comedy in the sense that it's like lighthearted. Yeah. I mean, there's probably funny moments in it, but it's more like... Kind of some lighthearted references to suicide. (laughs) Yeah. Or at least suicide attempts. Suicide, infidelity, all of our favorite things. (laughs) Really what makes America great. (laughs) The movie stars Jack Lemmon as C.C. Baxter, who we're going to refer to as Bud, because that's what he goes by for most of the movie. You know, I was like, oh, here we go, a young Jack Lemmon, starting to play like these kind of characters very early on, and I just feel like this is a character that he could have played like through his whole career. 
like in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, he's kind of like the same way. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of an everyman in the sense that he's kind of just an anonymous worker at a huge company. He's lonely, but there's smart always a little and hard bit of a sadness there. Yeah, because there's definitely some loneliness, but he has some mild ambitions to raise up in his career because what he's doing, which is basically allowing a, a higher up people at the company to use his apartment to cheat on their wives. Yeah, basically Bud, in order to curry favor with some superiors at work, allows four different company managers access to his apartment so that they can discreetly carry on extramarital affairs. In return, Bud is hoping these men will use their power and influence at the company to facilitate him climbing the corporate ladder. At first, the vibe is more like, it feels like they're just doing this because he's got this whole thing. Like, he just lets them do it. You know what I mean? Like, at first, it doesn't really feel like he's getting anything out of this. Yeah, because it starts with, okay, I will say, this movie's in black and white, and for some reason on the Arrow Blu-ray set that came out, it's a gorgeous box package, it's really nice. It looks incredible on my TV, like this black and white. You can see why a lot of directors, even when color started making its way into the mainstream, still still wanted to use black and white because there's a certain kind of like depth to what you're seeing. I don't know. I really know how to explain it. Like things are more clear in a weird way when you would think it would be the opposite. Yeah, it does give certainly a distinct and unique look. I think it looks cool like right from the beginning, especially when you're trying to figure out like what the hell's going on. Even the look of the apartment, like the interior of the apartment kind of has a certain, I don't know, yeah, a the certain set pop des- to it. In yeah, black the and set white. design for this is really good, including like that really crazy look at the office with all those desks. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Shot from like the front, like those rows that go all the way back. Because I think this apartment, while it should be kind of dumpy a little bit, I feel like it comes off as like kind of nice looking. Oh, yeah. His apartment is in like the West 60s, just half a block from Central Park. And it's only like $85 a month, which is funny. Oh, nuts, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this location and well, the yeah, size of this place and everything. And it obviously it was a different time, and real estate in New York is like insane. But it, it doesn't seem believable that the position that he holds at the beginning of the movie, that he could afford this apartment, given yeah. its location in Manhattan. Well, he, I think he says how much he makes, and then he says that the rent is $85 a month. I mean, I think it works out as far as the numbers he gives. I don't know. Right. How much he should be making. He works at a national insurance, insurance corporation yeah. in a high-rise building in New York City. I mean, this building is nuts. The and way they talk about like the elevators and like people leaving in like shifts or whatever. Yeah. Just because they can't put everyone in the elevators, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, and the things like the elevator attendants and the switchboards and the style of the desks and the way people are dressed for work and everything, it's very reminiscent of Mad Men, oh, which yeah. we mentioned at the front of the episode. But pretty early on, they're kind of like showing him like, yeah, I stay late at work and I have a reason that I stay late at work because they don't give you everything right away. In fact, I couldn't figure out what was going on when he was standing out of his apartment at first. Yeah, he like, describes it as moving around. a quote, little problem with his apartment. And basically what I just, you know, I, I previously described is what's going on. There's different guys using his apartment to fuck these chicks from work. And you're just like, OK, and this is. <laughs> insanely risque subject matter for not only the time but just to be in this kind of like mainstream movie people don't really understand like how different movies were yeah sex wasn't really out there in the way especially extramarital right like people having affairs that was like not that was completely Uh, taboo yeah extramarital affairs running rampant at this company (laughs) (laughs) i think one of the guys who's using the apartment or something whenever 
Bud is waiting outside to be able to go back into his own place. Describes him as some schnook or whatever. Yeah. This is something that is like revisited though. In Mad Men, it's like Pete Campbell gets the apartment in the city. What's the one with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio that Sam Mendes directed? Revolutionary Road. Yeah. There's this, I, I feel like there's something similar in that. Not with not the idea of someone, you know, letting other people <laughs> use the apartment, but just the idea of this middle-aged worker who's married and then like carrying on these work affairs yeah. at some apartment in the city. Yeah, I definitely think that was common at the time. I do like when we get that opening sequence with the first person using the apartment with that lady and she's <laughs> they're like going outside and they're kind of talking about whether or not she's going to take a cab or whatever and all this other stuff and I think the guy says something like, oh, you girls and these cabs or whatever and she's like, you mean you bring other girls here? <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, certainly not. I'm a happily married man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) One of the results of having these noisy, wild nights in his apartment almost every night is that Bud's neighbors assume he's some sort of a playboy bringing home a different woman every night, downing insane amounts of liquor, carrying on at all hours, always different women in and out. They haven't, like caught on that it's not him with the women you would think that they would notice these guys like coming through the hallway you know yeah it's weird that that's never happened but he has all those like awkward run-ins with his neighbor but they've never come out and seen these other people and he always just like they the whole like scheme they've got going is just like leaving this key under the mat right like everyone just kind of like i don't know It, it doesn't seem like a great plan for everything but i mean you would think beyond just like how humiliating it is for but on a personal level and kind of a professional level, dude, all these guys are just like banging all over your apartment all the time. Well, yeah, I definitely want to get into that. Okay, but like, yeah. <laughs> well, first off, I find it like really kind of odd that these guys want to bang in his apartment. I, I was trying to figure this out in my head. Like, what is the rationale for not getting like a hotel room? Well, especially or when you get to the level of like. I, I know you said Sheldrake. Sheldrake. Once what? you get to the level of like a Sheldrake, who seems like he could just bang in his office. Right. And these girls, it's like, because like, all right, well, then your first thought is like, well, maybe these girls don't want to bang in an office. They think that that's like too skanky. But it's like Most just going to mean. some random apartment. Oh, right. Yeah. And like the girls are like, I mean, we're calling them girls. The women, they like, they're up on it. Like and they know honest, that it's just some guy. They're not all friends in this movie. I mean, there's certainly some floozies, you know? (laughs) Yeah, they would definitely be all right with The Office. But, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, okay, so you're a guy who makes, like, decent money. you got a girl on the side kind of a thing, whatever. You're not going to just get, like, hotel rooms? Because even later in the film, when he starts, like, trying to block out some of those original four... Oh, they lose their minds over They're talking about taking girls to, like... This guy's, like, 60 years old. He's talking about taking a chick to, like, a drive-in to banger, and it's, like... He can't just take her to a hotel? I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. And so I was trying to figure it out. I was like, well, is it that, like, it's too much of a scandal if somebody would see them? I, I was trying. I could there not must be really something there piece because, it together yeah, they as do... to, like, what the reasoning was that they would refuse to even acknowledge hotels. Right. They make it seem like a hotel, not an option. I don't know. Maybe there was, like, different morality laws. Like, maybe they wouldn't let people just, like, go to hotels if they were married. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, but I don't know. I'm trying to, like... Yeah. It seems so skeezy to just, like, go to some guy's apartment. Well, especially, like, the fact that a lot of them seem to be doing it on, like, a weekly basis. Yeah, on, like, weeknights and stuff. Yeah. Which I kind of get, but, like... (laughs) No, but it's just weird because I guess, like, the big draw is the location of the apartment. 
is close to the office and it's like pretty nice and it's near Central Park and it, it kind of makes everything convenient and you know he eventually does tell Sheldrake that whole like story of the genesis of this whole thing which was some guy needed a change for a wedding or something like that right that's how and it so all that was kind of like and he let and it, it all use grew it. from there somehow yeah which I get obviously the thing with Bud is just like you know kind of like being a pushover and the whole typical nice guys finish last thing and he just kind of like goes along with one thing and people just keep taking which you know relatable but it's like <laughs> I, I don't know it does seem crazy that just like one day some dude was like hey i gotta get dressed at your apartment and then it's like it's all led to this where it keeps bubbling where he has to move mountains to open up a night for himself to sleep at his apartment like right after work yeah <laughs> it's a pretty wild scheme that's going on here yeah i mean i definitely think that him being a pushover is kind of like a big part of the idea that like yes he is kind of gonna get something out of this and he does but that doesn't mean that he's not still kind of being taken advantage well yeah i mean it kind of feels like even if he didn't get the promotion that this is going to keep going on yeah and he's going to keep going along with it okay so let's i mean obviously we've already talked about like the the standards of the time as far as what was acceptable to be in a film, but just like the logistics of this whole thing. It's like, I don't really feel like there's an emphasis put on him, like washing his sheets or anything <laughs> like well, the, what is exactly is going on. Like we're obviously we're not seeing like almost anything. So it's like, we're assuming that these dudes are just like bringing these chicks here and fucking them in the bed, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it crossed my mind that the couch could be getting some action. But well, yeah, especially with like the amount of shit that it seems like there's a lot of time spent later on the couch, the right? Yes. Yeah. Well, they couldn't. That was a thing. Like even kind of like doing a scene where like unmarried people that were like having an affair were like in a bedroom probably was like hard to navigate. <laughs> yeah, the apartment graphic nudity. <laughs> but it's like yeah, like Bud is getting back to the apartment. And it's just like it's just reeking of pussy and ass in there. <laughs> yeah, like... he starts running one of those black lights or whatever over. And it's just the room is just like oh my god. Yeah, like the one old dude's like, buddy boy, we tried anal, we had an accident. I don't oh, know how to no. explain it. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I mean, it... like that's the kind of shit that you would think would be he'd be running into. It's like, but I they act like when too. he gets back to the apartment, it's like pristine and everything's fine. It's like, well, what were they doing in there, playing cards? Well, and plus, like, and it does happen in the movie where there's like a fight and a thrown mirror. But I, th I feel like you open yourself up to a lot of that stuff too. A lot yeah. of angry chicks that think that their dude is going to leave their wife, you know? Yeah. And when that's not happening and the frequent trips to the apartment are continuing to happen, you just feel like there's going to be some broken silverware, <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. Okay, so if you took this idea and for some reason transposed it to like a 2018 time frame then a lot of the risks that bud would be running into and a lot of the issues that come up in this movie wouldn't really apply because people would just be like well whatever but in that time period there was like a certain amount of scrutiny put on to people who acted in ways that the neighbors might find inappropriate or amoral it's like yeah i mean he might not be getting arrested for this stuff or anything like that but because he does have issues with his landlady and stuff in the movie and it's like that would be like a big concern like you could potentially get kicked out of your apartment if they thought you were like not upholding the standards of the time or whatever acting too inappropriate it or, does or go something. back though to like just this whole pre-cell phone era and obviously this is like way pre-cell phone <laughs> 
I just can't ever wrap my head around this because it's like we lived in that world for a little bit of our lives. But just this idea of like you can, okay, I'm going to work, honey. Like, I'll see you later. And then it's just like you can go off and kind of like live this whole life. <laughs> And then, like, come back and be like, yeah, you know, we had a we had clients in, we had a late dinner, and it, just no one ever would know or think anything of it. Yeah. I, I mean... It was such a better time. <laughs> <laughs> but it also, and I, I think I talked about this on the Mad Men episode we did, I mean, when you look at stuff like this, and, and Mad Men certainly, like, addressed it a lot, God, does anyone really know who their parents are? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what does this say about marriage and like human beings like being in these types of relationships? I mean, it just feels like it's such a commentary on people not being able to <laughs> commit to each other. Yeah, definitely. Which was somewhat problematic for the time. But I do think that there's also kind of a critique, a subtle jab at capitalism going on in the movie. Kind of just that whole idea of like doing anything to get ahead and like the type of people who represent that kind of upper class at the job are all shitheads really and they're all terrible people. Well that's true and it's like the only reason like a guy like Bud can even get up there is by having like this basically ridiculous level of being able to be taken advantage of. Yeah, and just it's a slimy thing that's happening and then once up there like the things that they hold as like status symbols like there's a lot of mentions of that executive washroom key oh, right it's just yeah. like what you know what i mean like the things that they're valuing are so weird and all right so let's get back to it so the very first night we see in the film sometime around early november bud returns home from work and has to wait for one guy to leave with his lady this takes forever and eventually the guy returns because she's forgotten her gloves sorry to bother you buddy boy but the little lady forgot her galoshes Mr. Kirkaby, I don't like to complain, but you were supposed to be out of here by eight. I know, buddy boy, I know, but those things don't always run on schedule like a Greyhound bus. Well, I don't mind in the summer. It's what on a rainy night. I haven't had any dinner yet. Uh, sure, sure. Um, oh. Uh, look, kid, I, I put in a good word for you with Sheldrake and personnel. Mr. Sheldrake? That's right. We were discussing our department, manpower-wise, promotion-wise. I told them what a bright boy you are. They're always on the lookout for young executives. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're on your way up, buddy boy. You're also out of liquor. Oh, I know. Mr. Eichelberger, mortgage and loan department. Last night he had a little Halloween party. Yeah, well, lay in some vodka and some vermouth and put my name on it. Yes, Mr. Kirkaby. You still owe me for the last two bottles. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay you on Friday. Oh, and uh, whatever happened to those little cheese crackers you used to have around? Bud then has just enough time to make a sad little TV dinner, flip through some channels on his TV, clean up their mess before climbing into bed, only to be awakened by the phone. And it's another one of the regulars who wants to come over to use his apartment ASAP. I don't know if you recognize this guy or not. Uh, One of the four regulars. He looked familiar to me. Mr. Hand from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would not have placed that. He's at a bar. He's picked up a lady. He says she looks like Marilyn Monroe, which is funny because Marilyn was in Billy Wilder's previous film and was in The Seven Year Itch, which was another one of What are your thoughts? Did she quite hold up to Marilyn Monroe? She was attractive. She didn't really look like Marilyn Monroe. She was doing like a Marilyn Monroe voice. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That was the thing that most resembled Marilyn Monroe. I mean, she wasn't like unattractive. No, I mean, it's like, but again, when they're doing these things... 
And this guy on this the, is like a random girl that he just met and yeah, picked up, right? This isn't so, I mean, like, like his regular squeeze. So like the regular girls know that they're just going to some dude's apartment. I mean, like someone that they just randomly meet. I'm thinking they're just like, yeah, this is my apartment, right? Well, he spins a whole story about how it's his mother's apartment or something. Remember? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Well, she seems. We gotta like, keep it down. My mother's here. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, she seems like a total idiot. That chick that he picks up the bar. Well, it's like uh, Kristen Stewart in Adventureland. When he's just taking her to his mom's basement. Yeah, I did get it like an Adventureland feel from this at times. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hiya, buddy boy. I'm in this bar on 61st Street, and I got to thinking about you, and I figured I'd give you a little buzz. Well, that's very nice of you, but uh, who is this? Dobish. Joe Dobish in administration. Oh, yeah, Mr. Dobish, I didn't recognize your voice. That's okay, buddy boy. Now, like I was saying, I'm in this joint on 61st, and uh, I think I got lucky. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Dobish. I'd like to help you fellas out, but it's sort of late, so why don't we uh, make it some other time? Listen, kid, I can't pass this up. She looks like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> well, I'm already in bed, and I've taken a sleeping pill, so I'm afraid the answer is no. Look, Baxter. We're making out the monthly efficiency rating, and I'm putting you in the top ten. Now, uh, you don't want to lash yourself up, do you? Of course not, but how can I be efficient in the office if I don't get enough sleep at night? It's only 11, and I just want the place for 45 minutes. I'm getting lonely. Who are you talking to, anyway? My mother. Oh, that's sweet. That's real sweet. Ooh. Make it 30 minutes. What do you say, bud, huh? Huh? I'm all out of liquor. There's no clean glasses. There's no cheese crackers. No nothing. Let me worry about that. Just leave the key under the mat and clear out. The four regulars that alternate using Bud's apartment, I don't really know their names. It's not really important. They don't really say them very much. It's just like four superior guys. And like this guy definitely holds this idea of a promotion over his head while on the phone and so bud has to go out into the cold night and wait for this to be over yeah there's definitely a lot of like hey you're gonna be a team player on this one right every time bud yeah. kind of puts up his hands a little like look enough like i need to like rest <laughs> oh or, yeah like hang out at my own apartment it's definitely like take 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 yeah. and then you know even when they start bringing him up to their level it's like he's still indebted then yeah in their minds right. it's it's never ending so the next morning, Bud now has a cold because he had to be outside all night. And this is when we first meet Miss Fran Kubelik, the elevator operator played by Shirley MacLaine. I love the name Fran Kubelik, should be said. Yeah. Uh, Shirley MacLaine recognized the name at the beginning of the movie in the credits. It took me a minute. And then like after a while, it's kind of dawning on me that she's like, someone I know is like an older actress for being in all these movies. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I, I had never seen what she looked like younger. Should be pointed out, pretty cute. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right? You kind of yeah. see why she was an actress in her younger years. <laughs> yeah, as you often do when you go back in time. Right. She's super cute, and she definitely is kind of the belle of the ball a little bit at the office. Like, not, I mean, there's plenty of women that work there that the guys are chasing after, but she definitely I mean, has a rep. Describe it she like, has a rep. Yeah. They all want, like, take a run at her, and she's kind of shut everyone down. Well, I mean, there's that certainly kind of some, isn't there, like, a. An ass slap situation. Oh yeah, there's on a the butt elevator, smack right? yeah. coming out of the elevator. Sexual harassment. Definitely, again, very like Mad Men. Yeah, vibes. right. Yeah, it's crazy that kind of thing because it's kind of just like brushed off, and she kind of you know makes a joke about like cutting his hand off in the elevator or whatever. And I mean, you which know, would have been actually pretty cool to see. 
That would have been a completely different movie. Yeah, it's one of the guys that uses Bud's apartment who like smacks her ass. Even like the kind of casual nature of that is kind of jarring, I guess, for now. But and, you were saying, I mean, people notice Fran, right? I mean, oh yeah, because she's cute and she clearly has like a good personality. She's got like a bubbly kind of presence to her. She'll kind of, you know, give you some shit a little bit, but also be polite and do her job. <laughs> That's like your ideal woman. That's right. Yeah. Morning, Mr. Kirkland. Morning, Miss Kubrick. Morning, Mr. Baxter. Why, Miss Kubrick? That's all. Take it away. Watch the door, please. Blasting off. What did you do to your hair? It was making me nervous, so I chopped it off. Big mistake, huh? No, I sort of like it. You got a lulu. Huh? Yeah, I better not get too close. I never catch colds. Really? I was reading some figures from the Sickness and Accident Claims Division. Do you know that the average New Yorker between the ages of 20 and 50 has two and a half colds a year? <laughs> now, that makes me feel just terrible. Why? Well, to make the figures come out even, if I have no colds a year, some poor slob must have five colds a year. Yeah, it's me. Should have stayed in bed this morning. You should have stayed in bed last night. Nineteen! Watch your step. Man, watch your hands, Mr. Kirkby. I beg your pardon. One of these days, I'm going to shut these doors on you and... 20 next. That Kublik, boy, would I like to get her on a slow elevator to China. She's the best operator in the building. Well, I'm a pretty good operator myself. She just won't give me a tumble, date-wise. Maybe you're using the wrong approach. Yeah, a lot of guys around here have tried it. All kinds of approaches. No dice. What's she trying to prove? Well, could be she's just a nice, respectable girl. There's millions of them. Listen to him, little Lord Fauntleroy. So this day, this next day, this day at work, it, it kind of spins into this whole business with the keys, the mix-up, the guy who came in with the Marilyn Monroe look-alike left the wrong key. So then they got to like switch up the keys. Then this sequence, it does feel exhausting. So then Bud is starts juggling the scheduled dates of which guy is going to fuck in his apartment because he feels sick. So he wants to have that night for himself. But in order to do this, he has to move <laughs> literally everyone around and start trading days and this whole thing. And he has to use the, his work phone. and He's going through like a rotary. It's a whole thing. And you just see like big chunks of a day falling off to this right. being dedicated to this whole process. And it's just exhausting at the very least though bud's time and efforts seem to have kind of paid off as i will say it does seem like it it changes as the movie goes on but during this sequence it does feel like people are a little bit willing to be like cooperative with him whereas yeah i mean there well there's always like he he does kind of have at least some sense of control because it's not like complete chaos right they do have to still suck up to him like a little bit yeah. because it's like he's giving them what they want. But later on, people start to get like way more combative about it. Well, that's yeah, that's when he shuts them out altogether. Right. Like I said, okay, the, the for now though, his time and effort seem to pay off because the four managers do actually write glowing reviews and recommendations. They get passed along to the personnel director, Jeff D. Sheldrake. And Sheldrake Offers a promotion to Bud, but there is a catch, which is that he knows the story about the apartment and he wants in too. In fact, Sheldrake wants the apartment that night and he offers Bud two tickets to the Music Man on Broadway as compensation for the short notice. And you do have to kind of step back for a second. Okay, so now this is going to be a fifth person carrying on an affair. (laughs) So these are all married men. They're all doing something morally wrong. 
what is Bud's role in all of this, and what's his culpability as far as like facilitating affairs? I mean, Bud he's supposed to be like the hero of the story, our main character, and it, you can't really deny the fact that he's doing a shitty thing, even if like he's put upon and he's kind of a schnook, and we're supposed to kind of feel sorry oh, for, for him. Sure, it's like yeah. he's still allowing this to happen, and we never really get like a look at all the innocent wives involved here. He's a but, little naive in the sense obviously he knows what's going on but he's like naive about his own involvement in it Uh, he doesn't really seem to act like (laughs) that he's a part of this horrible thing i mean i don't know if naive is the right word because that that almost implies that like he doesn't know what they're doing but i definitely think he knows what they're doing and he knows that it's wrong it's more like he's kind of downplaying it like right it kind of Maybe he's, he's more looking at it like they're going to do this anyway. Why can't I get right, something out I, of it? Obviously, he knows what's happening is bad. and it, But like, I just feel like he's in denial about like what the impact of his involvement is. I guess, yeah, like he just thinks that, like, look, this is going to happen no matter what. I mean, they're just using my apartment. Yeah. But he's not really taking the blame as what his involvement is, which is like, I'm assisting in this affair. Right, like... Honestly, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do, good or bad, but if you once you're involving yourself, if you're helping them do bad, even if they would have done it anyway, I mean, you're still involved. Plus, he's, like, giving himself, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, but it's, like, this negative view amongst his neighbors of, like, him. Because right. they think that he's just, like, this wild, doesn't care about anything, male chauvinist or whatever. Meanwhile, when was the last time <laughs> there was a woman up in there for him? Unclear. I will say the scene with Sheldrake is kind of played out in a fun way because he calls him up. Bud thinks he's getting like the promotion originally, but then Sheldrake's like, yeah, you know, I'm on to you basically like this. The scam is up. I know what you're doing. I can tell like when four people from four different departments write like, yeah, he's super loyal, deserves a promotion. Yeah, I, I know what's going on here. So what you guys are doing is wrong and I can't employ someone like that before revealing you know that he wants to do it as well look baxter i'm not stupid i know everything that goes on in this building in every department on every floor every day of the year you do in 1957 we had an employee here name of fowler he was very popular too it turned out he was running a bookie joint right in the actuarial apartment tying up our switchboard using our ibm machines to figure the odds so the day before the kentucky derby i called in the vice squad and we raided the 13th floor the vice squad that's right well what's that got to do with me i've not run any boogie joints just what kind of a joint are you running sir there's a certain key floating around this office from kirkaby to vanderhoff to eichelberger to dobish it's the key to a certain apartment and you know who that apartment belongs to who loyal resourceful cooperative cc baxter oh are you going to deny it no, how could it deny? You, you just let me explain. You'd better. Well, about a year ago, I was going to night school. I was taking this course in advanced accounting. One of the guys in our department, this is Jersey, had to go to a banquet at the Biltmore. His wife was speaking him in town. He needed some place to change into a tuxedo, so I gave him the key. And word must have gotten out, because the next thing I knew, all sorts of guys are suddenly going to banquets. Well, you get the key to one guy, you can't say no to another. The whole thing got out of hand. Pardon me. Baxter, an insurance company is founded on public trust. Any employee who conducts himself in a manner unbecoming... 
How many charter members are there in this uh, little club? Well, hell, just those four. Out of a total of 31,259. So actually, we could be very proud of our personnel, percentage-wise. That's not the point, Baxter. Oh. Four rotten apples in a barrel, no matter how large the barrel. You realize if this ever leaked out? It won't. Believe me, it never again. It, 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 nobody is going to use my apartment from now on. Where is your apartment, Baxter? West 67th Street. You have no idea what I've been going through with the neighbors and the landlady and the liquor and the key and... How do you work with the key? I usually slip it to him in the office and then they leave it under a mat. It's never again. I can promise you that. Yes, Miss Olson. Mrs. Sheldrake, returning your call. On to. Oh, you had to take Tommy to the dentist, huh? No cavities, good. Uh, hold it, dear. Where are you going, Baxter? I don't want to intrude. I, I, I thought since everything was straightened out anyway. I'm not through with you yet. The reason I called is I won't be home for dinner tonight. The branch manager from Kansas City's in town. I'm taking him to the theater. Music man, what else? No, don't wait out for me, darling. Goodbye. Tell me, Baxter, have you seen Music Man? Hmm? Well, not yet. I hear it's one swell show. How would you like to go tonight? Well, you and me? I thought you were taking the branch manager from uh, Kansas City. No, I have other plans. You can have both tickets. Well, that's very kind of you, but I'm not feeling well. I say I've got this cold. I'm going to go right home. Baxter, you're not reading me. I told you I have plans. Uh, so do I. I'm going to take four aspirin. Get into bed, so you might as well give the tickets to somebody else. Look, Baxter. I'm not just giving these tickets. I want to swap them. Swap for what? It also says here that you are alert, astute, and uh, quite imaginative. Oh? That's good thinking, Baxter. There's going to be a shift in personnel around here next month. As far as I'm concerned, you are executive material. Sheldrake has like a giant office. It feels like maybe he's got one of those buttons under the desk that can lock the door <laughs> from afar. Yeah, like a Matt Lauer situation. Right. Yeah, and I, I will say that I love the movie and I'm willing to go with it the full way. But if I'm going to stop and pause about something, it definitely would be this moment. Because it's it does seem insane to me that somebody at the level that we're supposed to perceive Sheldrake is at is going to just take his side chick to just some random dude's apartment here's, that he's never seen. Here's what I think point. about Sheldrake and the way that he's portrayed and what you see about him and like the level that he seemingly is at. It feels like he could have his own apartment that was just solely for, like, where he could take chicks, and no one would ever know about it in his family or anything. Yeah, well, part of it is housewives in, in 1960 were kept at a distance by right. their working husbands. It's like, yeah. yeah, they would never know. It's like... Exactly. Yeah, you could make the case that these guys are cheap, and so it's like, they don't have to pay for a hotel, they okay. don't have to pay yeah. for an apartment. It's quick and it's easy, and there's no worries once they leave. It's there's no responsibility to anything but <laughs> little on the sleazy side yeah i mean you're taking like <laughs> a big leap that like you're gonna go to this place and he's going to clean the sheets in between the times I that people the, are there that right. he's gonna he's running like an airbnb basically <laughs> 
I can't imagine ever doing this and not even just like the cheating part, but just going to like someone's apartment who I know just to use it for these purposes. It just seems so bizarre. I mean, I could see doing something like that in like high school when you're like desperate for like okay, places yeah. and stuff. Or if like, you know, Alexandra not- Daddario is saying that she wants to. <laughs> well, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, as far as something that you're cooking up, it's yeah, you can when you're younger and you better. don't really have like your own place or whatever, it's like, yeah, you're willing to just screw wherever you can. But these people are like have good jobs and they're not young, not even close to young. Some of them, I mean, like I said, I think the one guy looked like he was at least like 60. And the other guys are probably like 40-ish. Yeah. 40s. It's like, it seems insane to just take someone to an apartment. But I don't know, I guess... It is nuts when you too. It's just, enter the whole world of infidelity in that time period. I mean, I guess it's all kind of a hush hush wink wink like, thing. So I mean, I mean, I don't know. The sex drives of these guys is almost like something to be desired. It's like cheese. Well, they're probably not fucking their wives. That's true. I don't know. Okay, so Shell Drake and his Music Man tickets set off a sad chain of events. First, Bud <laughs> asks, cute as can be, Fran Kubelik if she would like to go. And this is all kind of a weird moment because he kind of walks with her out of the building and then he starts revealing that he knows all these facts about her, which is so strange. It does seem like it would creep her out. It doesn't really. No. I do think that that's partially due to this being a different time where A, women weren't allowed to be creeped out. (laughs) And B- It does have that vibe, though. There was no internet, so the fact that he knew this stuff- was kind of interesting, well, I guess, and to her, because yeah, it's guess, like, how would he know but it? But it does feel like, no matter how you want to shake it, it, he's looking at personal records. Yeah, it definitely at, with, seems inappropriate, right? <laughs> if yeah. not illegal. On a personal and professional level. He knows her like address, he knows her age, he knows wh- where she was born, her I, parents, well, her siblings. <laughs> he even, even knows like, like her had her appendix out and all that stuff. It's not even like, oh, you live in Brooklyn. It's like he knows like her address. <laughs> yeah. And she does kind of just laugh all this stuff off, like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to say it exactly, but it's it's like she doesn't really respect him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's just, What do you like, mean, like, see him as, like, a threatening person he, right. or something? Okay. Yeah, like, in any way. Like, obviously, there's the bad way of a threatening person, but even as, like, not even, like, a legitimate contender for her. I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Like, her... Well, we'll get into it, because, like, her okay. whole situation is kind of bizarre yeah. at this exact moment. So, she does agree to come to the Music Man, meet him there, but she has to go meet a former fling first. As she describes, yeah. Yeah, she leaves it kind of vague. Something... She, def- she definitely downplays it, as if it's, like borderline nothing i will say he is ridiculously optimistic throughout this whole movie this is something for me that it's just like if i had gone through the same exercise like offered these like theater tickets and like basically invited her on this date and she acted the way that she acts towards him i I wouldn't be like we're done i'm never trying again (laughs) it's like he's offering her like kind of a nice deal here like this is seems like a nice night out and she's like well, I have to meet a former fling, and then she's kind of like, "Yeah, I mean, it's over, but we're gonna meet for a drink." Like, it's just like I've heard that song. Oh, and dance. well, no kidding. I mean, I think we all know where it's headed. We've all been like... treated to that before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just a drink, huh? So then we, the audience, find out that her ex-lover is none other than Mr. Sheldrake. So that's like kind of a big reveal that Bud is in the dark about. Oh, but that's we right. see that their interaction at the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, which I love this place, by the way. It kind of looks like the fabulous Baker Boys could be playing here. (laughs) In fact, yeah, maybe they were. Right. 
They have drinks, and he convinces her that he's about to divorce his wife for her. So they end up going to Bud's apartment while Bud himself is left waiting outside the theater how for many her to fake, show up. How many like fake divorce threats have gone on out there? <laughs> divorce promises, I guess. You mean at that restaurant or at Bud's apartment? <laughs> how about in the world? We should point out that when they're leaving the restaurant together, that Sheldrake's secretary happens to be at that same restaurant, and she spots him out with Fran. We don't really know what to make of that at the moment. In fact, I don't even know if we know. I guess we saw her briefly, but it's kind of even hard to even remember who she is when you... We already saw her like listening in on the phone at one point, right? Maybe he called down to yeah, maybe. our hero to line up the apartment or something. No, because I no, guess it was when he was talking to his wife when Bud first came oh, into that's the right. office. Yes, yeah. and then she says she, that he's got to go out with the client or business partner or whatever that's the in town. The guy from Kansas City, yeah. Right, yes. So so that's the the whole thing that she's got going on, because she's got a husband, I guess, right? I mean, she's with a guy. We don't know. But I, that's that's never thing. really so explained. A big part of her life now is just like she's still checking in on Mr. Sheldrake and what's going on, and her nights are even being planned around like what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, but we don't know any of this now, which is kind of like this moment of like, well, she seems to be spying on him or she's clo- she's at yeah. least clocking what's happening. We right. don't know why yeah. or what, what exactly this all means. When they walk in, I mean, Fran makes a comment of like, oh, there's people coming in. We should leave or whatever. But it's like, I wasn't really clear how to take that. Like at that moment, did Fran definitely recognize her or them from work? I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't think Shell so. Drake doesn't seem to notice. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a one-track mind. He's trying to like He's win like, her back. like, who is that chick that I used to hook up with? <laughs> so now, jump ahead in time after that embarrassing night for Bud. And now, C.C. Baxter, a.k.a. Bud, now promoted to second administrative assistant. And he gets an office with his Sounds name painted like on the window. A and... glorified secretary, but he gets a cool little office. So He's definitely promoted, so we assume more money. He gets his own office and, and a title. I and do the whole love, thing. though, it, there is this feeling that like there's all these people on the floor that like type stuff up day in, day out, and then there's like people that sit in offices and do nothing. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, like, right, yeah. <laughs> we learn that Bud is trying to box out the original four managers from using his place, which we've kind of referenced as we've gone along here that that was going to happen. And is he seeing this as an opportunity to turn over a new leaf? I don't know. I guess he seemingly thinks that whatever he had to do to get there is over. And it is funny, like, the four of them come in and listening to them complain. It's like, how selfish can you be? I mean, it's, like, insane, the stuff they're saying. You're oh, like, right. <laughs> and, you know, he's like, I had to take Sylvia to a drive-in. And that's, like I said, that guy looks to be, like, I don't know, at least in his 50s, if not. This you're like, is the best you can come up with? You're taking her to the drive-in and presumably to fuck her in a car. Yeah. It's like, what is this, the lake and back to the lake? <laughs> I wish. However, Sheldrake is still using the apartment, and he wants a second key made just for him, which is kind of funny. <laughs> well, he needs, like, special treatment, you know? But it's like, what's the idea here, Sheldrake? You're just going to drop in whenever you want? Yeah, it potentially could be awkward. It's clear to the viewers now that Bud has no idea that Sheldrake's mistress is none other than Fran, who he clearly was interested in. How did it all end with that night? She just stands him up for the theater? Yeah, like he, and that's it. It just right. jumps ahead in time to him in the office. We don't. There's never any interaction, and then she she does address it eventually. But yeah, I yeah, mean, we're kind of left wondering how that all played out, but we don't know. But that's one of those moments where in the movie you are just like, wow, things don't change. <laughs> <laughs> 
Presumably, since he knew that Sheldrake was bringing somebody to his apartment, he just went in and watched The Music Man by himself, I guess. Yeah, right. Because he had to still waste that time. But that it's is unclear like, how much time yeah, has passed when we sad. see him like moving into this office and all this stuff. It could be. Uh, it seems like it's been a little bit of time because those four guys are pissed. So it seems like some time has passed that he's not allowed them in. During that stretch of time, Sheldrake's continued to use the apartment and somehow... But has avoided seeing who the woman is, so because he, yeah. he doesn't know yet that it's but I, Fran. I, I just feel like just like the standing up for the show should be enough to just be like, you know what, bud, never again. Like, just don't. Well, maybe he's th- he maybe he's trying to be tough, but things kind of change in a right, little bit. True. So okay, but first, Bud returns a pocket mirror to Sheldrake, telling him that his lady friend must have left it behind, and the mirror has a distinctive crack. Down the center. Right, and this was what I was hmm. referencing earlier, where it's just like... Well, yeah, because Sheldrake says she threw it at yeah. me. <laughs> okay, so everything kind of comes to a head, though, pretty quickly at the big office Christmas party. Should we talk about this Christmas party for a second? I mean, we brought it up in People the Scrooge People getting episode, drunk, right? <laughs> openly making out, right. which seems pretty crazy, but I do think based on what we've seen in well, like this, Mad Men exactly. and this... It does seem like people have Scrooge. memories of this. It must have been of the time. I do think that... Because of everything being so so much more uptight as far as like dress code, as far as like day to day life and how people talked and acted and the movies you could see and what was on TV and everything was so stifled. I do think that there were these moments where people would like freak out. I will say almost like the purge. True. (laughs) People are like killing each other. I will say like as recently as me like entering the workforce and I worked at like a doctor's office or whatever, like a medical clinic. As recently as me, like being 16 and like talking to like another girl that worked there and she would talk about like, well, they're not having like the holiday party this year because a couple of years ago, like a bunch of the doctors and nurses just got like drunk and there was like <laughs> a lot of inappropriate things going on <laughs> and they're like not having the Christmas party anymore. And I was like, oh man, I just missed like something cool happening. Yeah. For, like, well, a couple of years. that plays into the whole like pc culture that we're living in now is compared to then like the idea that you could like smack the elevator girl's ass on your way out and like nothing was going to happen to you because of that yeah that also meant right. that at the office christmas party you could probably like fondle up somebody that worked there and nothing was going to happen and i'm not saying that's better don't get that <laughs> i'm not saying that like sexual harassment slash assault is good i'm just saying it's like, cool it's <laughs> We all got punished because of that bad behavior, in other words. Because, like, bad shit like that, that also took away the fun shit of, like, consensually making out with somebody drunkenly at the office Christmas party in the actual office or whatever. I think, like... There's a girl that's, like, doing a strip tease on a desk at one point. I I mean, she doesn't really take anything off. I think this sort of... It's a true tease. ...display would have always made me, like, uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Just like that... And not like in some higher than mighty way or something, but I just always would have been like, this is weird, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, especially because you're going to have that realization, whether it's like the next day or or the next day that everyone has to come back to work and like everyone has to be like weird and awkward about it. Like nobody's making eye contact, especially (laughs) if like somebody does something really embarrassing or something. Let's not act like this is fucking Animal House or no. or the recent Office Christmas Party movie. Like they're not like it's not like that crazy, but in the context of what we've seen in this film, it's kind of jarring to see what people are doing. Like the ladies dancing on the desks. There's oh, yeah, definitely like people making out. Julia Stiles from Ten Things I Hate About You <laughs> hits her head on the chandelier. All right, Christmas. Thank you. I thought you were avoiding me. What gave you that idea? 
the last six weeks, you've only been in my elevator once, mm. and you didn't take off your hat. Well, as a matter of fact, I was rather hurt that night you stood me up. I don't blame you. It was unforgivable. I forgive you. Well, you shouldn't. You couldn't help yourself. I mean, when you're having a drink with one man, you can't suddenly walk out on him because you're having another date with another man. You did the only decent thing. I wouldn't be too sure. Just because I wear a uniform, that doesn't make me a girl scout. Miss Kubelik, one doesn't get to be a second administrative assistant around here unless he's a pretty good judge of character. And as far as I'm concerned, you're tops. I mean, decency-wise and otherwise-wise. <laughs> Cheers. One more. Oh, I shouldn't drink while I'm driving. You're so right. By the power vested in me, I herewith declare this elevator out of order. Shall we join the natives? Why not? They seem friendly enough. Don't you believe it? After a while, there'll be human sacrifices. White-collar workers tossed into the computing machines and punched full of those little square holes. <laughs> How many drinks did you have? Three. <laughs> I thought so. Wait a minute. I think I hear the sound of running water. I'll be right back. I'll be right here. Hi. How's the branch manager from Kansas City? I beg your pardon? I'm Miss Olson, Mr. Sheldrake's secretary. Yes, I know. So you don't have to play innocent with me. He used to tell his wife I was the branch manager from Seattle. Four years ago, and we were having a little ring-a-ding-ding. -ding. Oh, I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about. Just before me, there was Miss Rossi in auditing, and after me, there was Miss Koch in disability, and right before you was a Miss, um, oh, what's her name, uh, on the 25th floor. Would you excuse me? What for? You haven't done anything. Tim. Oh, what a salesman. Always the last booth in the Chinese restaurant, and the same pitch about divorcing his wife. <laughs> And in the end, you wind up with egg foo young on your face. Miss Kubelik! Well, thank you, Miss Olson. Always happy to do a little something for our girls in uniform. Are you all right? What's the matter? Nothing. There are just too many people here. A little tipsy at this party, Bud makes his approach to Fran, and we find out it's been six weeks. He's pretty much avoided her since she stood him up. So six weeks is... Yeah. Kind of a long time. She's like holding the elevator for him. He's like, no. <laughs> and now he's drunk and, and he's happy and he's in a good mood and he's been promoted and it's Christmas time. And so he drags her out of the elevator out to the party. Right. And he's feeling kind of high on himself. He's in this like bigger position now, you know, like he's kind of flaunting that. Yeah. And it doesn't take long, though, for Sheldrake's secretary, Miss Olsen, to confront Fran with the story that she used to be Sheldrake's mistress. And that there had been a whole long list of female employees yeah, left in his wake. Yeah, this character kind of has a Joan from Mad Men vibe to her a little bit, you know? <laughs> and all of the women that Sheldrake had worked his way through had all been promised that his divorce was imminent, and all of them eventually discarded. And so Fran is wrecked, and she doesn't leave the party, but she's kind of walking around as like a ghost. It's like, Fran, like dazed. you thought you were the first? Come on, honey. Bud, of course, is oblivious to like her sudden change in demeanor, and he takes her to his office, and he's showing her like some stupid hat that he got, oh, which boy. is just this an part is just so sad for the mirror to come out, and it has that distinctive crack down the center, and suddenly oh, right. it I all becomes say, so clear to yeah, Bud. And I, like it was impactful for me. I mean, we already knew. I was like, wow, yeah, that is that that heart sinking moment, you know? Yeah, th it is very similar thematically to Adventureland. I'm telling, I know. I it's was like the, the whole that whole 
moment in Adventureland when he finds out about Kristen Stewart. It's like right. it's very much like this. Because <laughs> like, he was so like on cloud nine. For however long, like having like all of these like hopes and thoughts about where things were headed for them. <laughs> Bud and is like, like, I had a chance with Lisa P. That's <laughs> and now <laughs> I threw it away for you, Fran. <laughs> well, everyone in this moment feels like a fool, even though Fran doesn't know that Bud knows. Right. She feels like a fool because she just got hit with like something that she probably kind of suspected and was always afraid of. And Bud now feels like an idiot because he's letting this chick that he likes get fucked at his apartment, yeah, unbeknownst to him. By the way, uh, for can we talk about something for a second? That the whole like idea of him like avoiding her for six weeks. You ever had to do that in your life? Yeah, that was one thing that, that I was. That like, actually just is my life, right? <laughs> yeah, but like that whole like I mean, they work in a giant ass building. There's multiple elevators, but it does seem like. You'd have to be doing like some degree of work to not end up in her elevator ever. Well, she says something like, "You were in my elevator once, and you right. didn't take your hat off." Which she had commented earlier in the film that he was like one of the only people that took his hat off. Yeah, as, like to be respectful or whatever. But the the worst like version of this was definitely high school, where it was just like well, you yeah. had nowhere to hide. But Lord, didn't I try to hide? I'll tell you, <laughs> there were some times where it's like I was going to great lengths to avoid running into people. Well, yeah, I mean, high school is really just like a horror show that you're like locked into and you really can't do anything about for four years. But work, I mean, would be pretty bad, too. He works on like like, what? The 60th floor. He's taking the steps. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Just drenched in sweat getting to his desk. Okay, so it turns out that Sheldrake is taking Fran to the apartment that night. And so Bud finally like aware that this girl that he's really into is now caught up in something kind of unseemly with a scandal boss. for sure. He goes to a bar, ties one on, I meets love a this floozy. Scene. Holy shit, is this like, oh yeah. <laughs> if this isn't reminiscent of times in my life. At the apartment, Minus though. Minus the floozy, though. <laughs> just me at the bar, like, keep them coming. At the apartment, Fran confronts Sheldrake, and he says something like, I know you think I've been stalling you, but when you've been married for 12 years, you don't just sit down to breakfast and say, pass the sugar, I want a divorce. She's like, how could Although I be I don't so really stupid? See why not. And meanwhile, she's just like, how could I be so stupid? Because she's realizing this. And meanwhile, he just doubles down. He's just like... Well, that's the move here. Yeah, I mean, he does. he's like, yeah, I fucked all those other chicks, but you mean more to me than them. <laughs> Whatever. He's just like, yeah, okay. But here's the thing, Fran. I'm definitely going to leave my wife for you. I love you. She buys him a Christmas gift. It's like a sentimental thing. It's a record of the piano guy who at the bar that they always meet at. Which I actually thought this was a pretty good gift. And he just gives her a $100 bill, which is hilarious. <laughs> right. He's like, I got something for you, too. And plus, he's also like, maybe we should leave the record here. Yeah. So he rushes off to his family because it's like Christmas Eve is before they never... even get down to it. Like, it is kind of a sad moment where she he gives her that $100 bill and she, you can tell that she's like so upset. But then yeah, she starts right. to take her gloves and coat off like, all right, well, do what you're going to do to me or whatever. And then he's just like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> So she doesn't even have sex. Right, but they never have a discussion or anything about, like, what the backstory in this apartment is, right? She just knows it's some guy's apartment. Okay, and she doesn't know that it's fine to go along with that. I know she knows it's not Bud's, obviously, but she's fine with it just being some random guy's apartment. I guess. Like, that's the weird thing. It's like... And she's just like, I'm just going to stay here and hang out. Well, it goes back to what I said. In 1960, the women aren't allowed to be offended or creeped out. (laughs) They just have to roll with it. Yep. 
Bud comes home with the floozy to find Fran passed out in his bed having OD'd on his sleeping pills. Yeah, real sobering moment because uh, him and the floozy were really tying one on here. <laughs> I mean, they were like dancing in the bar after it shut down. They had to be like, yeah, like away. cheek to cheek. It was like, like a real weird oh, dance. That is a weird move. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's funny. So, like, luckily, one of Bud's neighbors is a doctor, so he runs and gets him. This is a real and, kind of Penny Lane moment here, was what I was thinking. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah, definitely. And he throws the floozy out, which is kind of funny. I mean, we're being mean to her. She seems like a nice gal. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Although, she's married, too. Yeah. I, right? I think To that's somebody like... who's in, like, a Cuban prison or something. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, she's just trying to have a good time, and it's like... Bud really is kind of like doing this all in a way that he's like mocking himself, which is weird. Like he's about to like actually hook up, but he's kind of like mocking the idea of him being like this stallion, you know, but she's not getting that. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's just depressed. I get it. It isn't about, I guess, like, I get it. It's not about like getting like any woman. I mean, he wants a specific one. That's right. He knows what the deal is with that. And luckily, though, Bud's neighbor, the doctor, he's able to revive Fran and keep the whole thing quiet. This kind of a long sequence. Yeah, just (laughs) repeatedly slapping an unconscious woman. (laughs) That was a little bit unexpected. I was like, how hard can I get during this scene? Because, you, you know, they do the whole stomach pump thing. I think, like, you're expecting some degree of, like, shaking and, like, keeping her awake. But basically is like, almost pulling her up into his open-handed slapping. Yeah, well, there's a lot of slapping. Then there's, like, they're getting coffee. And I think she throws up. And then he's, like, they're both holding her up and walking her around the apartment. Right, yeah. It's like that scene from the master where they're going from the w- window to the wall over and over again. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> they're just wa- traipsing around the apartment. Ultimately, though, Fran is going to be okay, but now she needs time to recuperate, and that time is going to be spent. But it's funny, like, the doctor, while he is doing this as, like, a neighborly favor, I guess, as it's described, the doctor and his wife are, like, such dicks to Bud, you know? Well, yeah. They think that he's just like an animal because, well, from their perspective, he has this woman (laughs) attempt to commit suicide in his apartment, and then he comes home with another woman. woman. (laughs) While she's there, I mean, it is like kind of crazy. Okay, so Bud calls Sheldrake on Christmas morning, but I mean, Sheldrake just really doesn't want to deal with it. What a like lonely Christmas this is, you know? It is just like a sad scene going on here. Fran wakes up eventually, and she's kind of embarrassed that she's in Bud's apartment, although not really like that embarrassed. It's more like she's just kind of confused. I was expecting more of a, not necessarily reaction, although reaction would be true too, but I, I guess I was expecting this to feel more of a critical or crucial moment than it feels. Well, I do think that that kind of speaks to us seeing the movie more through Bud's eyes, so we kind of perceive his interest in Fran as like this bigger deal than she does. I don't think that she dislikes him or thinks badly of him in any way, but he's not really, yeah, he's not registering that high on her scale at this moment. And the fact that Bud is going to find out that she was like fucking Sheldrake, like doesn't really mean anything to her. Yeah. Right. Like why would she care that he knows? And she's still just sort of like, 
she just thinks this is like a nice guy and yeah she probably knows that he's like interested in her but like a lot of dudes are from work yeah why wouldn't he be she's maybe even allowing it to go a little further with bud than she's allowed it with the other guys but that's because bud is like a nice guy and takes his hat off in the elevator and doesn't grab her ass yeah and she can joke around with him and he doesn't sexually harass her every second of the day (laughs) yes so she's like all right yeah i'll go on a date with you to the music man and then it didn't work out and she's kind of like all right well whatever and just why didn't it work out i mean yeah well you know something things changed for me that night so like i don't know but she's not seeing it the same way we slash bud are seeing it so when she wakes up and she's just like oh this is your apartment so like there's a little bit of an embarrassment there but it's not like what you would expect if it was like somehow reversed or something where like from bud's perspective there's a great deal to lose in front of her true you know what i mean in in her eyes she's just like well he's probably not going to be as nice to me now but like whatever that actually is kind of what makes the movie interesting because at this point in the movie she's still at like that stage yeah and she's in sort of like this weird state of post suicide attempt yeah like this isn't like your typical like this is definitely kind of falls under a romantic comedy umbrella in a in a sense but like this isn't your standard one where the guy and the girl are on the same path pretty early on and it's just like one major hiccup no in fact this feels like a long movie and it feels like they are not on the same path for most of the movie as we pointed out there's similarities to other things adventureland and what was the other one you said i don't know (laughs) Well, just, I, you can see the influence of this movie on to so many things. And I do think the, not oh, that it- Was it just like the idea of almost famous and like- Oh yeah, almost right. famous. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was an influence on that particular part. Oh, and yeah. like, if this was, a, this was obviously an influence on things like Mad Men, but even the whole will they, won't they vibe is kind of like perfected in this moment because the audience starts to really want this to happen. I don't know. And it doesn't seem like it's going to, and that's the perfect way to do it, is to really make the audience doubt that it could actually happen. I found myself really rooting against it happening at a a certain point. You're a horrible human being. I I just really... I've always said that. Well, I just wanted... I think it's just... I I just wanted Bud to stop trying. There's He does. That's what's great about the ending. It's like he does... But it takes a while to get there. There's a lot of attempts. There's well, a lot of trying. Well, what is he supposed to do in this situation? I think he handles everything from this moment on, like when he finds her passed out at his apartment. I think he handles everything really well. Oh, I would agree. It doesn't but, like, really embarrass himself. To a level himself. where he really doesn't need to, though. I mean, like he can still be nice about this situation. I don't know. I think he's going above and beyond here, which I guess is a good thing. But Well, that, I think that's just because he's a good guy. Yeah. I think he's given up really thinking that it's going to happen okay yeah that's i mean he, true. i think he wants it to happen but i, I think he acts well, in a true. way where he doesn't embarrass there definitely seems it. to be at least a part of it where he's even trying to get sheldrake and her like back together well because she's to, just to, to make her herself. happy yeah, yeah right so he's just like i don't want to deal with this <laughs> i love uh, yeah I there's like various moments where he's like taking the razors out of the bathroom and yeah right yeah <laughs> they're trying to suicide proof the apartment something i do you know before we record here <laughs> Now that Fran's awake and she's staying at the apartment, Bud entertains and he tries to distract her and they end up spending Christmas together playing and they're playing cards, like gin rummy, yeah. yeah, doing all these things. She's and- only half interested in the game. <laughs> yeah, but he's like trying his best because right, he's yeah. afraid that she's going to try again to kill herself and all this stuff. Based on some brief interaction at the Christmas party, 
one of the other managers is under the impression that he was going to have the apartment on yeah. Christmas afternoon, I guess. It's like, what the fuck is happening? I don't know, get some quality time in with the family in the morning and then get some quality time <laughs> in with the mistress. That puss. Yeah, in the afternoon. <laughs> this dude shows up. He may even be the one that's in the apartment at the very beginning of the movie. In fact, I think it is. When he shows up at Bud's like apartment, he bottle sees champagne Fran. in hand. Oh, yeah, right. And he's like, oh, buddy boy. Yeah, <laughs> I like, didn't know. Way to go. Nice poll. Because apparently everyone at the office is in the dark about her and Sheldrake. Well, I didn't know how this was going to play at first because I, I kind of thought he was going to be like, oh, wow, Sheldrake's girl. Like, you're playing with fire there, man. But it doesn't play that way at all. No, because those four guys were under the impression that Fran was, like, not in the dudes, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> those four guys, land four her, so being managers, like, are be. portrayed as, like, total knobs. Oh, like, yeah. They're idiotic. Right. So they're just like, oh, if she doesn't want to fuck us, she doesn't want to fuck anybody. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're like the oldest, saddest dudes ever. <laughs> Something like I know firsthand from girls. <laughs> oh, the sad stories we could tell. Yeah. The oldest, saddest dudes ever. Also, the autobiography about us in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was like an alternate name. Who's that? Just somebody delivering a bottle of champagne. Do you like some? Would you mind opening that window? Now, don't go getting any ideas, Miss Kubelik. I just want some fresh air. It's only one story down. The best you could do is break a leg. So they'll shoot me, <laughs> like a horse. Please, Miss Kubelik, you've got to promise me you won't do anything foolish. Who'd care? I would. Can't I ever fall in love with somebody nice like you? Yeah, well, that's the way it crumbles, cookie-wise. Bud really standing on his head to keep the whole thing quiet. He even shares, like, his own suicide story over love, like his suicide attempt where he, like, what, did he shoot himself in the leg or something Well, by this accident? was, like, I almost felt like this was a Star is Born-esque where he's, like, sharing his little suicide attempt in sort of a lighthearted way. Like, it's a joke. <laughs> well, see, I was wondering, I mean, he had some evidence to back up his story. Like, he conveniently had the fruitcake right there that tied in with the story, and he was doing something with his leg and all that stuff. But, like, the I was wondering if he insane. made it up <laughs> to just, it like, is... try to make her feel better, because it seemed ridiculous. He <laughs> said like that like he, slapstick humor, he was in... like, yeah, I tried to kill myself. He used to live in Cincinnati, and he was in love with his best friend's wife. And when he realized that they weren't going to be together, he was going to kill himself with a gun, but accidentally shot himself in the leg when a cop showed up or something. Something like that. Yeah. And this is played for laughs. And <laughs> For some reason. He says that after this on. happened, he got over her in a few weeks, and she still sends him a fruitcake every year at Christmas or something. But that's Which really I it. was just like, is the fruitcake like a sympathy move? I don't really get that. I don't know. We don't really know like if she knew that he was in love with her. Or, like I don't know. It's yeah. never. We don't get a lot of detail. I went through exactly the same thing myself. Did you? Well, maybe not exactly the same. I tried to do it with a gun. Over a girl? Worse than that, it was the wife of my best friend. And I was mad about it. But I knew it was hopeless, and I decided to end it all. I went to a pawn shop, and I bought a forty-five automatic, and I drove up to Eaton Park. You know Cincinnati? No, I don't. Well, anyway, I parked the car, and I loaded that gun. You read in the papers all the time that people shoot themselves? Believe me, it's not that easy. I mean, how do you do it? Here? 
Her? Here? You know where I finally shot myself? Where? Here. In the knee? While I was sitting there trying to make up my mind, a cop stuck his head in the car because I was illegally parked, and I tried to hide the gun under the seat, and it went off. Wow. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, it was a year before I could bend the knee. <laughs> but I got over the girl in three weeks. Still lives in Cincinnati. Has four kids and gained 20 pounds. Sends me a fruitcake every Christmas. Are you just making this up to make me feel better? Of course not. Here's the fruitcake. Did you see my knee? No, thank you. The fellas in the office might get the wrong idea how I found out. <laughs> Let them. Look, I'm going to cook dinner for us tonight. You have the fruitcake for dessert. You just sit there and rest. You've done enough for today. Obviously, they're planting that seed for yeah. later in the movie. Plus, like, the big irony is just like, Jesus, you were going to kill yourself and you were over it in three weeks? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> once you actually, like, shoot yourself in the leg, you realize, like, what an idiot you right. are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do say that, like, when people commit suicide by, like, jumping off of things, like... The first thing you do is, like, regret it. Yeah, like, a lot of right. people are like, oh, shit. This was a bad idea? Because <laughs> there are people, you know, that, like, do survive. Like, if they jump off Golden Gate Bridge, sometimes people survive shit or whatever. And it's like, they say, like, that's the like, first, the first thing, thing like, you think. Immediately regretting it. So, I mean, you know, once you shoot yourself in the leg, plus how embarrassing is that? Like, you're really confronted with the embarrassment of shooting yourself in the leg accidentally, Plaxico Burris style. <laughs> <laughs> Bud was later arrested in Cincinnati for possessing a firearm. After the holiday break, I guess like, you know, the day after Christmas or something like that, everyone comes back to the office except for Fran and Bud, but we'll get to that in a second because Sheldrake just flat out fires Miss Olson, his secretary, for running her mouth to Fran. Which does seem which like seems a risky insane. move. Well, yeah. Plus, if I was Sheldrake, I would immediately be thinking what does happen is going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I would be like, I should treat this woman like gold the rest of the time that she works here because it's like, she's got something over my head. Yeah. Well, I guess like when he's run through enough of the chicks at this place and like, and it's never blown up in his face before, yeah. I guess you, you get this like weird invincibility, yeah, like feeling. confidence that like, nothing's ever going to change and I'm never going to get caught and blah, blah, blah. But this kind of all reminds me though of uh Rushmore and kind of where it goes for <laughs> Bill Murray's character and that where it's like, I'm being sued for divorce or whatever. <laughs> so Miss Olsen calls up Mrs. Sheldrake and rats out her husband about everything. She invites her to lunch. They meet for sandwiches <laughs> on top of, on a roof. Yeah. <laughs> the tuna, I'll have the tuna fish. <laughs> People are noticing, I guess, because the guy that showed up and saw Fran at Bud's apartment, he's running his mouth to the other dudes. They're all kind of annoyed with Bud because he won't let them use the apartment. And they're making jokes about a long weekend, which is really what it is because they didn't come in, either of them. They both are, I guess, called off or whatever. So they're taking another right, day yeah. back at the apartment. And that's when Fran's brother-in-law, Carl, shows up. And he's kind of like the street tough guy or whatever. And he's kind of knocking on doors at the office like looking for people that know what's going on and <laughs> he's like where the fuck is fran these two managers that are like chatting about bud being with fran they just rat him out immediately and so carl <laughs> shows up because they're annoyed because they couldn't use the apartment one time <laughs> well i think it's supposed to be a long time at this point oh okay i was thinking it was just like that weekend or whatever well because they were pissed before and then okay, that yeah. guy was like well what about this and what about this and, and like you know i right. guess 
Bud kind of agreed to it as he was trying to run out of the Christmas party, and then that guy shows up, and then Fran's there. You know, it turns into this like kind of a tense moment at the apartment when Carl shows up. But once again, Bud protects Fran's secrets and takes the blame for everything. <laughs> He's like, because it's more. She tried I guess, to kill herself because of me. Yeah, well, because I think the thing that doesn't necessarily translate to 2018 is that, like, the big scandal is that, like, even though she's not the one married and it should be more of a scandal for Sheldrake, it's like right. she's the woman. She's she's getting involved with a married man. She's to blame. She's a whore. That's well, yeah, really bad optics I will say, at the time. And so to protect right. her reputation. And the way it plays is the idea of how she's not an honest woman. because And it's just like she's spending, like, days now at like somebody's apartment like a man's apartment right you know, even that seems like it plays that's why they reveal the suicide attempt because otherwise then it's just like what like a fucking 72 hour fuck fest. yeah what's going it's on like... here just philandering <laughs> just common street trash right fran the brother-in-law shows up he's like and i brought my black light with me and i want to run it over this place and by this place he means show. fran's face <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a quick turn. Carl punches Bud, and I think it's like in this moment, because she kisses Bud on the forehead before she leaves with Carl to try to smooth things over with her sister and her brother-in-law and everything, and she kisses Bud on the forehead, and I think it's in this moment, I think, that we're supposed to take that like Fran kind of has a realization about the type of guy that Bud is, and this kind of starts the change in her mind, yeah. where... We talked about where she was mentally before with Bud, and I think this is the beginning of the change. And it still takes a while to get to where we want to go, but right. like this kind of starts changing her thinking. And you know, the doctor who was there again, who had treated Fran on Christmas Eve or whatever, he's like asking Bud if he's hurt from this punch, and Bud's like, "Oh, it doesn't hurt at all," and he's like happy because she kissed oh, him on the forehead. Oh, well, he's certainly elated like. when he gets that forehead kiss. So the next morning, Bud returns to work with a shiner. He's psyching himself up to tell Sheldrake that he loves Fran. Like, he's practicing this big speech in oh, his right, office. Yeah. I do like, I mean, it, it's definitely like, a product of the time where, like, the woman's actual feelings are, like, irrelevant. Oh, true. It's right. just like, we're men and we're making deals in an office and whatever we decide is it's how it's going to be. like, you know, Bud's kind of, like, misconceptions over this whole thing. As if sheldrake would give a shit i mean well i, I think like, like in bud's mind sheldrake i just feel like would just be like puzzled by this revelation well yeah he would but right. i think in bud's mind he's taking it to be like well I'm he didn't want to come call. see her when yeah. she tried to commit suicide he obviously doesn't really care that much and she's like a nuisance and he's a married guy and this is a big secret so this seems like a headache for him so i'm gonna try right. to spin that and be like i'll take this I'll problem the off your for hands you. yep <laughs> I'll jump on the Fran grenade. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah, but it's insane. It's psychotic even, the way that their thinking is in this uh, moment. True, because yeah. they're like basically like, whatever they're she wants. They're haggling over her. Yeah, yeah, whatever she's thinking, it doesn't matter. She could be like, hey, I'm breaking up with Sheldrake because he's an asshole, but Bud, you're a nice guy, but I'm just not really that into you. Like, that Seriously. is never even an option right. in their minds. Not that Sheldrake is aware of it, but at this point, at least in Bud's mind, it's like, well, it's either him or me. There's no other <laughs> options. Yeah. But once Bud gets up to Sheldrake's office, Sheldrake has some news for him. He's now moved out of his house, and Miss Olsen's big mouth has gotten him kicked out. This was another thing that more I accurately, I guess you would say. And true, yeah. Now he's gonna get a divorce from his wife finally. See, this was another thing that I wasn't getting though. It's like he's moving into the athletic club. I don't even know what that means. Like, it's kind of like a YMCA or something. 
I mean, it's like Royal Tenham. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Like sticking with the Rushmore thing, you know, I, I'm picturing like this guy's going to be moving into like a nice hotel. Yeah. I just don't know. Like that's I, what is it? The athletic club. It's like, is he sleeping on like a cot in like a gymnasium floor? No, I think you get like a room. But as he alludes to in this Only time men period, allowed. yeah, like yeah. you couldn't have like a, a, a woman come in there or whatever. So he's thinking he's going to need the apartment again. But like it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like this movie almost seems to exist like in a world where hotels don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You'd think if he had money, and I mean, now he's getting a divorce. Maybe he's a little worried about money. I'm just saying, money, like, given he, the office that this guy has in the building that he works in, and he has a key to the executive washroom, let's not forget. I mean, I'm picturing this guy could have, like, a guest house somewhere or something. You know what I mean? Or like, I don't know. It does kind of play to the idea that he doesn't really care that much about Fran because he even says, like, I'm going to enjoy being a bachelor before I get tied up in something with her. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? He yeah. even, now he has this opportunity, something that he's been promising Fran. Even if he didn't mean it, now he's he like, can just be like, well, yeah, I come on, it. man. I'm ready to run through some shit, you know? like <laughs> Yeah, but he's like... You know, whatever. I'll get to Fran when I get to her. Like, that kind of attitude. So it's like, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to spring for a hotel yeah, room. Pump he, the brakes here, bud. Who knows? Like, there could be some reasonable explanation as to why hotels are avoided at all costs. As repayment to Bud for taking care of Fran during her little incident, Sheldrake offers Bud a new office and another promotion, one that gives him all of those executive perks, including the executive washroom, and in that brief moment of time, it's like everyone's playing it cool now. Sheldrake, temporarily living at the athletic club, is now free to get with Fran, at least once he's done enjoying being a bachelor. <laughs> and she seems happy slash satisfied, content, whatever, with this arrangement. Yeah. And for his well, she part... she's like a light at the end of the tunnel here now. She's like, all right, a new hope. Here. Yeah, she seems to be getting what she wa always wanted, which was Sheldrake to commit to her and to be in a real relationship. And now that he's getting a divorce, there won't be like the public shame or whatever. And Bud, for his part, has risen from just another working stiff to seemingly a somewhat high-level executive oh, yeah. in a matter of months. And it's like, well, everyone's happy, right? Now he's got a great office. It's like we can end the movie. It's like everybody's happy. Yeah. We Bud really like not taking advantage of his new position, though. Well, he's not that type of guy. I know. What do you mean? By just, I, I, like, grabbing chicks' asses? No, no, or? I just feel like, you know, he could use, like, his new position to, like, kind of, like, build himself some confidence and go out there and, like, find other friends, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that, though, okay, but we all right. know that yeah. it's not how it works. Yeah, that's true. There's, There's only, only one, one friend. friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So finally, we get to the New Year's Eve portion of the film. The reason why this is kind of a New Year's classic as far as films go. It incorporates pretty much that entire time period That's from right. like the beginning of November till New Year's. But much like the listener experience for this episode was like my viewer experience for this movie where I was just like, what does this have to do with New Year's? <laughs> <laughs> and then we finally get there in both instances. Yeah, and it's the climactic moment of the movie. It's like the big ending. and So Sheldrake wants to use the apartment on New Year's Eve, and this is kind of like the big standoff moment because Bud this is pretty wild. decides yeah. to refuse. The only thing is, Baxter, I'm staying at the athletic club, and it's strictly stag, so if you don't mind. Don't mind what? You know the other key to your apartment. Well, when we had that little scare about Miss Kubelik, I thought I'd better get rid of it quick, so I threw it out the window of the commuter train. Very clever. 
So now I'll have to borrow your key. Sorry, Mr. Sheldrake. What do you mean, sorry? You're not going to bring anybody to my apartment. I'm not just bringing anybody. I'm bringing Miss Kublik. Especially not Miss Kublik. How's that again? No key. Baxter, I picked you for my team because I thought you were a very bright young man. Do you realize what you're doing? Not to me, but to yourself. Normally, it takes years to work your way up to the 27th floor. But it only takes 30 seconds to be out on the street again. You dig? I dig. So what's it going to be? Now you're being bright. Thank you, sir. Say, Baxter, you gave me the wrong key. No, I didn't. But this is the key to the executive washroom. That's right, Mr. Sheldrake. I won't be needing it because I'm all washed up around here. What's gotten into you, Baxter? Just following doctor's orders. I've decided to become a mensch. You know what that means? A human being. Now, hold on, Baxter. Save it. The old payola won't work anymore. Goodbye, Mr. Sheldrake. He ends up quitting the company that he's worked at. Well, rather they play than... it out in a way, too, where it's just like Sheldrake is like, all right, give me the key or whatever. And they kind of argue about it for a while. And then it seems like he's going to give in and he gives him the key. Yeah. And then Sheldrake is like, you gave me the wrong key. This is the key to the executive washroom. <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, the symbolism there, obviously. It's clear as day. We don't need to explain it. Yeah, and so Bud is like, see ya. And he's just like, he's going to leave Yeah. rather than let Sheldrake take Fran to his apartment again. This does seem like a huge mistake career-wise. Sometimes you got to draw a line in the sand. That's true, you know. I could learn something from this Bud character. <laughs> So we're kind of cut back and forth. We, we we go to the party now. It's at that same restaurant where Fran is with Sheldrake and Shirley MacLaine is wearing the crown. Matt, I'm sure you don't know this because you never look at our Twitter, but our like little Twitter banner on our page has been a picture of Fran wearing the crown on New Year's for like How the last that? year or plus. Wow, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm happy I know now. Yeah. So... Sheldrake, indignant about this turn of events, tells Fran that Bud quit and wouldn't give him the key. He's just like... <laughs> just and he, going on about it, really. Yeah, and he's just like... And sp he specifically didn't want me to bring you there. Like, he's really, like, <laughs> making sure this point is hitting home. Right. And she's just kind of, like, giving this wake-up call. I guess it's kind of like, oh, this dude that I'm with is, like, a piece of shit. <laughs> and Bud is, like, a really good guy who's clearly into me. And I never gave him, like, half a chance. Yeah. It is interesting and that she does have that not putting the pieces together. This movie is so well-crafted, and the script is, like, really great. And there's a lot of, like, funny lines that kind of have either, like, a double meaning okay, or yeah, all those right. different things. And they played that whole moment up earlier in the movie where she talked about taking that typing class and she couldn't spell. Oh, yeah. That's right. And then she says this line to him. She's thinking something else, and he's off in his own world bitching about not being able to use, like, a <laughs> fuck pad for one night or whatever. Yeah. She's like, wow, this, you know, some classy guy, he can't even take me to a hotel. <laughs> Seriously. 
And she's like, I'd spell it out for you, only I can't spell or whatever. Because <laughs> he's not like understanding what she's saying. Which I do love that part in the movie, though, and I, I kind of forgot about it. But it did kind of like give me pause for a second where it's like she's explaining that like when she wanted to get a job there, she took the typing test and it landed her as an elevator worker. Because it's like, oh, what, you couldn't type fast? And she's like, no, I couldn't spell. But I, I just like the job placement and how that all worked. You had a shot at being an agent or whatever, and then you ended up as an elevator worker because you couldn't spell during the typing exam. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that's how it works now. Well, I thought it was like a, a secretary. Is that what she was going for? Yeah, I don't think the the women had the real jobs yeah, there. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell. So she just ghosts Sheldrake at the uh, restaurant, and she's running through the night. It's winter. It's kind of pretty cool iconic thing of her running through the streets she's headed to bud she arrives at his apartment right as we hear a gunshot ringing out and of course we think back to the Here we previous go story yeah. but another leg shot <laughs> of course it's just champagne that he was apparently going to drink by himself <laughs> and bud has definitely come into his own as just like a loner he's like pretty good at it yeah, well, me and Bud have a lot in common. Right. I well, I don't know. There's more darkness around you than Bud. And I mean, that's including a suicide attempt. Are you all right? I'm fine. Are you sure? How's your knee? I'm fine all over. Mind if I come in? Of course not. Let me get another glass. Where are you going? Well, who knows? Another neighborhood, another town, another job. I'm on my own. That's funny. So am I. What'd you do with the cards? In there. What about Mr. Sheldrake? We send him a fruitcake every Christmas. Cut. I love you, Miss Kubelik. Queen. Did you hear what I said, Miss Kubelik? I absolutely adore you. Shut up and deal. Bud is in the process of packing up and leaving. Like, he's got everything in boxes. He's like, I got to get out of this apartment. It's like Back it reeks of sex in yeah. here. <laughs> he's, he's like, you know what? I wonder what my old friend's wife is up to. He's like, there's just crabs on the toilet seat. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if she's tired of that asshole. I'm going to give it one more shot, I think. <laughs> That's the thing, as long as you're alive. That's right. There's always one more shot yeah. left in you. <laughs> One more moment. Right. One more opportunity we'll to see if we can humiliate yourself. <laughs> Get that going again. So they finish that game of Gin Rubby, and Bud just professes his love to her, and her response is just shut up and deal. 
yeah. when the movie ends. Well, I know like it's it's a good ending and everything, and we're supposed to be happy. I do end up feeling like, as far as Fran is concerned, this is very much like settling for her. <laughs> you know, so there's kind of she like... was an elevator attendant. <laughs> I mean, you're acting like she's fucking Princess well, Diana, she's dating like an executive, though. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, but she was just, that's the whole point. Like, she was just being used. Like, she was just as fuck doll. Right. Fuck doll. Yeah, like, I get she, it. She wasn't treated as an equal. I just, I feel like she was never really into Bud, though. Well, she was, she had to work her way into it. Okay, all right. She she got herself there. <laughs> well, you know the old thing. It's like, guys know if they're into a chick, like, right away. And yeah. it's never going to change one way or the other. And right. It's like, girls can be talked into it. <laughs> Or like need to they be can really. be convinced yeah. that, th- that this is something they're into. Okay, yeah, I- I'm entertaining the idea. <laughs> yeah, eventually they're like, uh, yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't really what I had in mind, but it'll do. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think part of the fun of the movie is that, despite the fact that it's it almost seems cliche to end on New Year's Eve like that, it it really doesn't go into that overly sappy dramatic ending. It's just yeah. kind of like she shows up. As an audience member, you can reasonably decide that they're going to be together now, but it kind of just leaves it as just like... Although, fiscally, where's it all heading for these two? We've got Bud, now no job, with this apartment. She lives with her sister and brother-in-law. I mean, it Well, just I think seems it's safe like to say that based on they're heading towards their hard situations times, like. and the time period, I mean, they can pretty much just pick up and leave and start somewhere else. Yeah. It's a lot easier back then. That's true. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. You just get out of things and just start fresh. Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, now it's like we're so like boxed in with like our student loans and yeah, debts. And and even when you do move somewhere, leases it's on like, It's just like you're so caged in. Now. Everyone you can't run. knows, you know, you, like your credit score is everywhere. and Facebook. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's just like you're constantly being monitored. All right. So that's the apartment. Ends on a fun, positive note. I really like this movie. And I agree. Not a lot of complaints about the movie on this episode. I'm trying so to be more upbeat. That's right. No, I enjoyed The Apartment too. I I was trying to explain it. I There's definitely a decent amount of like old movies that like I can get into like no problem. But so, sometimes there's ones that I just like have such a hard time. But for this one, I was like right from the beginning, it, it was no problem like being engaged in it. Well, I like, think one of the trademarks of Billy Wilder's scripts are like there is that kind of pace to them. There's like a certain bounce to the dialogue that like it translates well across time. Like it doesn't feel dated, even though much of the actual story seems weird for 2018. It doesn't matter because the true. way that they're talking and interacting feels kind of fun like you're you're yeah. kind of sucked into it pretty easily it even it does have that quality of like kind of the sprawling new york city like you're kind of like changing locations a little bit here and there yeah like you're in the giant office building you're in like restaurants you're at his apartment he goes to the park yeah for a movie that takes place in offices and apartments it, it's beautifully shot it looks great and all of the performances are fun, especially Jack Lemon and Shirley MacLaine. But everybody's kind of funny. And in this kind of like more upbeat comedy, you know, it has to end on a happy note. I mean, you're not going to want to see this movie if it doesn't end happily. You'd be like, well, what was the point of us? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like a sad ending out there for Bud that could have been. So it's nice <laughs> to see this. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> As always, follow the show on Twitter at Pod. Subscribe on iTunes. 
keep an eye on that feed. Yeah, January should be an interesting month for the show. So everyone get ready for a lot of crazy stuff. And I guess we can wish a happy new year to all the ass clowns out there. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the ass clown community. A fun, (laughs) yeah, the ACC. We haven't brought that up in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to everyone for a fun 2018, and we look forward to a crazy 2019. Absolutely. All right. So we'll see you next time. My dad got it off Pirate Pauling, and it's about these three lads, and they wear these crackers sitting and they rock about, just shooting people and eating cheeseburgers, and they're all motherfucker this, motherfucker that. It's got your man in it. What do you call them? The disco dancer from the Q's talking. <laughs>